Welcome to the Scale Up Valley podcast, where we bring the best of the best to help you scale our business from 1 million to 1 trillion. Today, we have a very special guest. His name is Javier Perea, the CEO of Smart Protection. Javier, welcome to the show. Thank you, Mike. Uh, thank you for having me here with your podcast. It's, it's a pleasure to host you. Uh, quick disclosure, I'm a scale-up advisor um, at Smart Protection. So it's, it's really a pleasure again to, to have you on the show and looking forward to share with the world uh, the amazing things that we are doing uh, together. So Javier, you have an amazing story and I would love you to tell in first, uh, in, in your own uh, version to, to our scale-up community. Thank you, Mike. Well, um, Smart Protection is a cybersecurity company, and cybersecurity is an area where I devoted my entire career. I started when I was 24, uh, I'm 54. So I devoted 30 years to cybersecurity. And you may think, well, what a boring story, a guy spending his life in cybersecurity. But I can tell you it's quite the opposite because cyber security has evolved that much and that fast, which is absolutely incredible. So as I said, I started when I was 24, um, creating one of the first antivirus companies in the world. Uh, we grew the company, we were leaders in Spain, where we were based, and then we opened up an office in the US and, and become a, to grow. And then uh, McAfee, a global leader you may you may know, was, was uh, trying to um, establish operations in Europe and of course in Spain as well. And they tried to conquer the or market, but they, they couldn't. So <laughs> <laughs> they decided to approach us uh, and to merge or to, to be acquired, to be precise. And well, this was in 1998, uh, was one of the largest um, exits ever in the history of, um, in the history of uh, the Spanish venture capital. Then I started working for, for McAfee. Uh, different positions. Uh, first of all, managing director of Spain and Portugal, then vice president of Southern Europe, then uh, running a segment in in, in EMEA. Then uh, Intel acquired McAfee, and uh, they created the largest cybersecurity company in the world, uh, combining the uh, cybersecurity assets from uh, McAfee and, and Intel. And then, well, the Intel security proposed me to be the vice president of uh, Intel security for Europe for a particular market segment. And then I moved to Ireland for three years with my family. And then, well, but to make this the story, long story short, uh, I was having a, a career in, um, in um, Intel security, but I was becoming older. And when you become older, your priorities and your your experiences, your experience changes. And then I decided, well, Javier, you are approaching your 50s. What do you want to do moving forward? And that was an inflection point in my career in my life because I said, well, Javier, you started, you, you were spent 25 years, I mean, getting ready for, for the life, studying at university, doing MBA, all these things, right? Then you spent 25 years building your own company, selling it, uh, having a successful career at capital multinationals, but what do you want to do moving forward? I said, you know what? I think I was a very lucky person. I was extremely lucky, I can tell you, Mike. And then, so Javier, why don't you share 
what you learn and what you got with it with with the world why do, why don't you give back to people part of what you got and that's uh, this was the plan i got i went to intel security so well, i'm 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 i want to to retire kind of retirement and <laughs> in one year from now i will i will be out of the company they become crazy because i was kind of top by president and so on uh yeah after a year reaching my 50s i took a sabbatic year uh in trying to help people um with everything i learned um that far then i'm going to the point now <laughs> i started, started uh, i joined a venture capital uh firm where uh People like myself, professionals, were I mean trying to help a small startup in seed stage, and then we found a, a company, Smart Protection, at that time. That uh, for me was a, an amazing discover. Um, when I have the one of the original founders, Javi Pichin, the, to the investor board, saying, "Well, uh, this is what we do," etc. I I thought that I knew the path to I mean, take that small startup with 10 people to a global leader. Because I saw that the cybersecurity for um, brand protection and um, content protection, which is what the smart protection does, um, was in the same stage that it was the antivirus uh, world when I was 24. Mm-hmm. And they said, well, let's, let's invest in this uh, small, small diamond and let's uh, make fun out of that. And by the way, because I, I was kind of a sabbatic uh, time, I decided to join them as an advisor for free. Right? And that's how I became involved with Smart Protection. So little by little, I was more and more involved. And to be honest, I'm an action person, so I couldn't be watching what happened. So they to join. I jumped to the water and started swimming and helping them to yeah, to put the seeds of what we thought could be a global leader in our area of expertise, and this was three years ago. We were ten people. Now we are one hundred and thirty and counting towers. We are we have customers in twenty five different countries. Seventy five percent of revenue is international. Uh, we have thirty three different nationalities in smart protection. And yeah, we are in our way uh, in order to become a, a global leader in in, in um, online protection of brands and, and digital assets. That's awesome. What what I really enjoy about your story is that typically on the show uh, we have um, guests that come from a VC back and scale up background, from an investment background or VC background, or from a corporate scale up background, as I like to call. So. One's going from the 1 million to 1 billion range in revenues and the others trying to scale a corporate scale-ups as I call them from 1B to uh, 1 trillion. That's why we cover this interval from 1 million to 1 trillion with different challenges in terms of scaling up. So you have been in the free uh, seats uh, in a corporate, in your own scale-up, and now in a VC back at scale-up, and also as an investor. So, which gives you a very good understanding about the scale-up uh, ecosystem, 
and how to help and how to scale companies as an operator and also as an advisor, investor, and et cetera. So what is the stage where smart protection is in terms of growth at this moment to give context to, to the audience that is listening to us? Yeah, well, by the way, you just said, uh, I, I think I, I know very little about everything I did so far. <laughs> so despite all the different backgrounds, um, I consider myself, uh, an, I mean, and uh, beginner of an, on everything I do. Uh, back to your question, uh, we are now in a 5 million ARR, right? We raised Series V uh, last summer, 10 million euro. Uh, we raised 20 million so far. Uh, yeah, and well, we plan to keep scaling and, and growing and well, we hope to, to double uh, this year or MRR or ARR and then uh, keep scaling uh, at that rate even larger. That's awesome. Perfect. And uh, so let's kind of uh, pick up your brain on some of the lessons learned in your different experiences uh, across your 30 years in cybersecurity and scaling companies and discuss our uh, incredible or our favorite critical ingredients to scale up a company. Number one, radical focus. Number two, world-class leadership. And number three, a culture of execution. Let's start with, with the number one. And every single energetic leader and ambitious leader wants to conquer the world. And this is part of uh, the VC game, right? To have a huge total addressable market, to attack a huge opportunity in the market, and to be able to be the leader into winning that opportunity and serving the society by uh, winning that opportunity. But what sometimes we make the mistake of is confusing the total addressable markets, the long-term vision with the short-term and mid-term vision and going conquering niche by niche instead of try, trying to go directly to the total addressable markets and to the long-term vision from the beginning. And we might dilute our energy, defocus, and, and, and we know that's very difficult. So radical focus is really critical and it's about doubling down and saying no and, and being a leader into each niche. So what are some of your lessons there, some of your experiences that you would like to, to share with, with the community today? Yeah, that's a really good point, Mike. Uh, it is one of the most difficult um, areas to develop properly. Uh, when you're a startup, you are so flexible. Uh, you, you can do so many things. You can be distracted by, 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 by anything, right? In my case, I think I had a North Star metric or North Star direction, no? Because I, I thought and I feel, I felt that I have a path to go, a path to, to follow. So it's like, a, yeah, I know what it is. No, we are facing a massive, not educated market. So this is what we are facing in our case, right? And how can you conquer? And then I was learning from, from past experiences, how we did it in the antivirus market. How can we cross the chance? So how can we move from the early adopters to the I mean, early majority? And how can we scale up? And um, see, the most important thing is to be crystal clear you want to be a global leader on one specific thing. So you cannot be the global leader of everything. Uh, you need to choose very carefully. It could be a segment type of customers or a product or 
something where you can excel above and beyond any other. And that you have um, barri um, barriers for other competitors to enter on that, on that arena. And little by little, you are, you are making mistakes, even though <laughs> I was so clear on that, that. We made mistakes, and that's fine. And we learn from that and move on. Yep. And then that convinces when one of your partners say, well, Javier, why don't we do that or that? Because sounds like a great idea. And, uh, and that's, that's dangerous, especially in software. You need to be crystal clear if you want to be a project type of solution or a product. It seems naive or very small thing, it's not. So you start to mix products and services and do a small fine tunings for different big customers that, that need something and you are willing to serve them. And you may lose the chances to become a hyperscalable. A hyperscalable means product, it's not services. And right. For for some markets, so there's a few markets that are, you, I consider are traps. The Spanish market, the French market, the German market, for example, are traps because those markets are big enough for you to grow, right? Exactly. <laughs> in, I don't know, in the Nordics or in Israel, yeah, yeah, you are international by default. You want because you need to sell abroad. You have to do it, otherwise you you won't survive. But in mid market, like uh, this Southern European and other markets, is is trap because you have to be crystal clear, radical focus on if you are a product company, you develop a product, period. That's it. Exactly. Love it. That's that's really a, a good point. And I really enjoyed, usually, as you know, I challenge a lot the leaders to kind of define a combination of geography, industry or vertical and um, and size of customer. I mean, small business, mid-sized business or uh, enterprise. And usually how many, if you have many GS, many verticals and uh, many sizes of customers, you have a kind of a combination of complexity, a lot of businesses within one single business. So I really appreciate what you were talking about uh, having a clear focus and a clear North Star uh, about who is the ideal customer client that you want to serve and that you can make a difference for them and be the best player in the world serving that kind of customer with that kind of product and not services. So maybe partnering with platforms that are able to provide the support and the services and assuring that we keep on the IP and on the product side um, of, uh, of the business. So let's move into the second ingredient, world-class leadership slash team slash culture. I keep adding new layers to uh, this one. And something really important to me, as you know, it's assuring that we have the right people on the right seats for each stage of growth. And uh, something that I've recognized that I've reflected in the last two years is really making them work as a team. So it's it's really important not only to have the right people on the right seats, but to have an amazing mix, an amazing culture. Maybe the culture is the glue, the values, the mission, the vision, the purpose of the organization that assures that they are able to work together and get to the next stage of growth um, of the company. I know that you are very dedicated to culture, very dedicated to building amazing teams to develop professionals. So what are some of the lessons uh, that you would be able to share uh, with, with our community today? 
Yeah, well, I think this is really a particular um, difficult point. And I, my advice to all um, the CEOs that you need to put a, a lot of effort and time on that. I mean, hiring and attracting the best talent is not easy. I mean, you need to put, a, as I said, a lot of time and effort and you need to be humble. I mean, people out there, the good ones are have many options for, of things to do. It's not that they will join you because you have a good startup. There are a few good startups that they can join. The good ones, I mean, not the mid-range, the, the good ones. And I think the most important um, part for me, the most useful was to connect with that people. It's, it's not just the project, it's the, the connection you can make with that person and that person can believe on the project. And not only that, in, okay, well, it seems you have a good idea, uh, kind of good structure, good product market fit, fine. But I believe it's like a, I want to work with you. But you, not myself, but with myself and the executive team, because I feel the, the energy, I feel that the team is able to maneuver on every, almost everything they can, every obstacle they can encounter in, in, the, in the path, because this is, this is about that. I always tell my teams when I open up a kickoff or something like that, that, well, every year is a new, new venture for a startup. And yeah, it's, we will be able to, to grow and, and, and create things and, and execute on that. But yeah, we will find difficult times. And now it's, this is where you are put in front of yourself. And this mirror will tell you what are you made of. And then uh, I said, people want to work with uh, great people and able to manage any situation, no matter what it is. Mm -hmm. so you are able to attract those people. This can be, become a um, virtuous cycle where this attracts new good people and, and so on. So this is not about the title. This is not about the experience. It's about, I would say, the person itself. So we first of all look at the person and then the experience and so on. That's the first thing. The second one is that you need to be radically honest with people because somebody that is good for this year, maybe is not good for the next year. It's not bad, anything bad about the person. It's because we are growing so, so fast that not everybody is able to do that. And this is not a problem. So, I mean, you need to understand that you shouldn't take a too paternalist or maternalist approach with people. You need to be frank and honest, help people to grow. And they are not, let's find another position in the company and, and don't be afraid to, to make hard decisions, right? And that's good for them, it's good for you, it's good for the company. Absolutely. And uh, that, I think that's in a, in a scale-up, we, we face so many challenges every single week, quarter and year. It's, it's right, it's kind of being in a different company every single quarter at least, right? 
and we need to be working in parallel and we discuss this a lot in our own conversations in the short, in the mid and the long term and constantly aligning all of those and working on the team of the present, on the team of the midterm and on the team of, of the future all simultaneously, which could create a lot of chaos in, in the minds of any leader, but it's kind of keeping the balls in the air and being able to play those balls and of course being focused in in one of the balls some of the time but we need to keep uh, an overall system working a machine working and, and i think that that's what confuses us um, sometimes in terms of execution and when we see the teams is when we are facing adversity when things are not going the way we would expect or that we were envisioning and we are able to attack the problem, to attack the challenge, to attack the reality and change that reality and being honest and, um, and candid about what is happening and what can we do together to change that reality and make it back on track or what can we learn and maybe need to change a bit the direction because we, we were not able to see or, or, or anticipate what is happening um, now, is, is there any any tip that you'd like to share about kind of calibrating and helping teams to face diversity uh, in within the quarter? Yeah, I mean that, that's that's the, one of the most difficult parts on a scale up. Now, working in today, I'm planning for tomorrow and the day after tomorrow. No? You have this five years view, the three years view, and the quarter view. It's quite challenging because. You need everything you do now is building for the next stage and next stage. Otherwise, you won't get there. That's very clear. And then, um, yeah, it's it's hard. It, it was hard for me to. It took me a year or two, and we you help as well, Mike. I, I may say, <laughs> try to 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 visualize and, and have the 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 narrative for that. It's uh, okay. I remember the first time when I presented to my board when we were 15 people and I said, well, this is my my plan uh, in order to become a unicorn. They, they, they were smiling. You know? <laughs> like, <laughs> it was, I was, you see, it, it took me, uh, it was very hard for me to pronounce I plan to be a unicorn because we were 10 people, 15 people with almost anything there. And then you start to realize that and put that milestone five years from now, right? Uh, that's my aspiration. That's good. That's good. And then you start to land different ideas in order to, okay, that's fine. Well, I need to survive three months, but I want to become a unicorn in five years. Okay, that's good enough, right? <laughs> that's the good space from here there. A little, little by little, you're starting to, I think it's important for yourself. I mean, visualize that and have yourself this this uh, story and tell yourself a story. So what? So I'm there. I'm seeing myself having an IPO right in five years. So how you feel? How it? What it looks like? Uh, what is the story? And then what happened the year before? What happened the year before? Like you cannot deconstruct that process to uh, today. So then I have, or I think I have a story to say what I need to do. Right in the next years 
but five years, but tomorrow and in this quarter and by the end of the year, when I need to raise capital, what I, what the metric I need in order to raise that capital, that amount of capital, and then da 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 da, da. and you are deconstructing the whole thing. Exactly. And part, Mike, is you need to tell that to everybody. You know what? Because then you told to so many people that you can't fail because you <laughs> <laughs> if I, I told 100 people about that everybody's expecting me to do that now i have to do it right i cannot, I cannot fail to these hundred people then you tell the story to everybody you know then there's another couple of eyes looking at you to make sure you, you make it it's a positive peer pressure so you are creating accountability for yourself <laughs> telling the story to everyone. Uh, that is really a great point. So as we get to uh, the third ingredient, a culture of execution that is all related with uh, the boring, mundane, uh, but very important culture of execution or culture of discipline, the, the rituals, the weeklies, the monthlies, the quarterlies, the annuals, the all-ends, the one-on-ones, so all those rhythms and how communication is so important to assure that we are all seeing the same picture and that we are all believing, as you said, in, in that vision and that we are doing what we need to do this week, this month, this quarter to make that unicorn vision happen. So what are some of, of the rituals or what are some of the lessons that are serving you um, as a CEO uh, at Smart Protection? Well, I think the rituals and the, the, the that's are key for, for execution. So I'm a, a long distance runner. I run marathon, half marathon. And well, you know what it is, right? If you want to run a marathon, there's a plan, right? You have to do it. So it's Saturday morning, you have to do a 30K run. And what do you do? You put your shoes and start with the first K and then the second and then. And the most important in order to do that, you need to go straight. 15k because that's the only way to have 30 you need to return right so it's a <laughs> good <laughs> point <laughs> i was a trick i was using to myself so i go 15k straight so then you need to make 30 you know, no matter what but in here in, i was doing this small little example in order to do the same so you need to build something you need to think about you don't need to think about that right you wake up in the morning you take a shower that's fine. It's Monday. You prepare your weekly, and you you. So the rhythm, the the mechanism made half of the of the work for you, right? But this is not. You need to think about that. You, you I mean, I have all my weeklies, monthlies, all hands, planet scheduled for the whole year. The whole team has his calendar, everything, right? Because otherwise it won't happen. It won't happen. So in January, everything is rolled out. So there is no, I have a trip. No, no it's just, that's the way it is, right? So you may have a trip, whatever. It doesn't matter. So this is by default. And then you need to be effective on those meetings. It's not, I have to have the meeting because the, the end of this is the meeting. It's not, I need to have a meeting. I have to get an output out of this meeting. There are good meetings. They are not so good meetings. That's fine. Right? This is not an issue. The point is you take a step 
forward and every meeting you learn something and you fine tune and fine tune and fine tune. I remember from the first executive meeting I had was, was disaster, was a fear disaster. Till these days, I still room for improvement, don't take me wrong, but it's, it's, it's a big difference. Now people that was in that first meeting to today, they laugh at that those days where we completely <laughs> Because we had those meetings two years ago, these not so good meetings. Today, we are having great meetings. Not every time, but I would say a few times. <laughs> great meetings. And, and it's kind of challenging also to keep adapting the rituals to, to the stage of growth. So you grow from 15 people to 50 people, to 100 people to 200 people, 300, 500 people, 1,000 people. So the rituals, the basis, the operating system, uh, it's kind of the fundamentals are the same, but the frequency and the content and the structure and who is joining each meeting changes. And it's difficult to understand in those transitions because we see that the meetings are losing uh, the effectiveness, the value, and you need to change something in the system. And it's difficult to find out what is the right moment to transition from one rhythm to uh, another to another. I'm sure you you feel that as well. Yeah, no, I do, I do. And we are changing every every month or so. We are fine tuning, fine tuning, and learning, making uh, shorter, more more to the point. Um, that is a continuous process. I mean, the point is you need to be open to learn, open to listen, right, and open to to change. And yeah, that, that's that's the way it is. This is a it's always evolving uh, mechanism you, you need to, to adapt. So yeah, you need to be open to listen, I would say that's the most important thing and to, to change. Absolutely. We have just, just covered the radical focus, uh, world-class leadership and the culture of execution. Should I have asked you something that I didn't ask? Um, I don't know, I think you cover, you cover all of them. <laughs> A good bunch of questions and a uh, good chat so far. <laughs> that's that's perfect. So let's move into the our favorite question of of the show, uh, which is if you would have the the chance to meet the younger Javier uh, at the beginning of your career or at the beginning of your journey with smart protection issues, what advice would you offer to your younger self? Well. Uh, I think having a, a great journey, though, uh, there's uh, always things you you may improve. Uh, I would say that I will go faster than I was. So <laughs> when we had the, the committees and people said, Javier, we are going too fast. I said, well, I don't think so. And now looking backwards, I said, well, I, yeah, mm, we should maybe made what we did but earlier and in a stronger way so to be more more radical if you wish the point is that if you are too radical sometimes you can broke things because the difference of experience from myself with 50 years with 30 years of career with my partner javi javi is 30 years old so i told javi 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 my experience is your whole life. <laughs> 30 years of experience, you have 30 years. So, so I had to be careful in order to, I mean, accelerate to a level that 
this didn't break anything, but still, I would say I would, I could do it faster. So, <laughs> so now my learning point is, okay, Javier, you think you are going fast today, maybe you are not, so you, you should go faster. <laughs> yeah, for not telling my son, to my younger son in three years time, oh, Javier, you know what, you thought you were fast, you should be faster. Just to give context to the audience and even for uh, them, if they are able to tune in and listen to this interview, uh, Javier was talking about his co-founders, uh, Javier Capilla and Manuel uh, Moregal. Uh, okay. with, with, uh, sorry, because I was transitioning to Spanish. <laughs> with with uh, Javier Perea are, are the three uh, co-founders of, um, of Smart uh, Protection. Javier, it was really a pleasure to host you today and uh, you are always welcome to the show to keep sharing your journey with, with Smart Protection. Thank you, Mike. Thank you, Mike. Uh, it was a pleasure for me being part of this show. Awesome. And to our community, thanks for being there. As you see, we keep bringing you the best of the best to help your life easier, scaling your business from 1 million to 1 trillion. See you soon and keep scaling.